sometimes we're chasing after things and dreams and trying to show our talents to people who aren't meant to see them. And so sometimes when we're like in this recruiting process, we might be searching for a school based on a name or based on how big it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes you go to these camps and clinics and I always get questions like, well, how can I do better? How can I stand out? And I will tell you that like, you don't need to stand out for being who you are. The right people will see the right talents in you. Sometimes you're trying to show them to the wrong people. And no matter how much you try to show them to the wrong people, they will not see it. So learning to find who you are first is really important to this process. Um, so knowing who I am and what my strengths are, how I can add that to a team will help you find the right fit for you. And they will value you in that so much more than you trying to show to someone else that will never see the value in it. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I'm Ashley Eggle, and crazy enough, I think I found somebody that's on the similar wavelength as me. We think about things the same, we teach the game the same. Her name is Ashley Carter. Ironically, we have the same name. And what I love about Ashley is that even on her website for Lead Hership Athletics, she says her passion in life is to ensure that young athletes become young female athletes, I should say, become equipped to own their power as college athletes and leaders in this world. Now, she also works with youth athletes. She's a motivational speaker. She's a mindset coach, works with confidence with athletes. She is now the volunteer assistant at Washington and owns, like I said, her company called Lead Her Ship Athletics, and she even has her own podcast. So this is so fun to have her on the show. In this episode, we talk about a wide array of things, but one of the things that stands out to me the most is comparison. I have dealt with comparison. I think everyone on this planet has dealt with some sort of comparison, and we dive really deep into a quote that I absolutely love that she says, talking about comparison and how athletes can work on focusing on themselves instead of other people and what they're doing, but using them as more motivation. We also talk about athletes who are role models and the key to being great is to be able to see somebody else first, kind of do the thing. And again, not comparing your skills, but seeing how far you can come from learning from their story. We also talk about the importance of off days. We talk about just coaching and what we love about it in general. And man, I am motivated even just like telling you about this episode. So I'm so excited for you to dive in. Ashley has been all around the game. She was a former Division I athlete at Grambling State University. Then she spent 16 years of coaching at the high school level and at the college level. And now she is an assistant softball coach for the University of Washington. Are you excited to dive in? Because I am. Welcome to the show, Coach Ashley Carter. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I have a very special guest today who we were joking off the cuff saying we're kind of the same exact person on the other sides of the country, Um, but Coach Ashley Carter is here. She's in the house. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited for uh, this show today. Me too. And do you know what else excites me is your podcast the amount of light that you're shining upon, not just our game, but just anybody that's in sport. I am in awe of you and your work. And again, ironically, we have the same name. So (laughs) we're kind of the same exact person in the same virtual room right now. But before we dive in too much 
into your work and what you do. I would love for you to actually share your journey in the game. So your softball journey or even just sports journey in general. When did you start diving into sports and where has it led you today? Yeah, so that's a, a long question. I get a long answer to a long a good question. But <laughs> uh, I would say I um, started playing t-ball when I was seven years old. And I would say like it's a part of my overall story of self-reflection and identity. But my parents got divorced when I was seven as well. And so I kind of feel like when my father left us and kind of did his own thing for a little bit, wasn't really around. And my mom took over and had to take care of us and worked all day. And we had a ton of babysitters. I kind of thought that maybe it was like a a, a gap filler to left time so that my mom would have time to go pick us up when she got to work. And so it probably started as like a a situation that was kind of a gap filler, but turned into something that I passionately loved and was a part of. So played t-ball for a little bit, went on to middle school. I played basketball in middle school. Um, I did a little stint of cheerleading. I've probably never said that to anybody in my life, but <laughs> Ashley, so you are special. Um, Love it. I, I cheerleaded for a little bit in middle school and then realized like, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> Quickly got out of that. Uh, still continued to play baseball up into high school. I actually never um, play travel ball at all. Uh, never mm. experienced travel ball outside of now, like once coaching it. Um, so never did that. High school, I um, began to play softball. I was transitioning from baseball to softball. Um, and I continued to play basketball as well. Um, actually, basketball is probably my favorite sport. Um, it is a sport that I really enjoyed. I believe I was really good at. We had a couple of state championships under our belts. I was um, the senior woman athlete of the year, my senior year, MVP. But I was 5'9 at a private Christian high school and was a post player. And so it didn't really fit the demographic of like potentially what maybe an athlete at a, a higher collegiate level would be. Um, so I went the route of softball. I went to kind of in that route instead of basketball and um, reached out to a couple of schools um, back in Louisiana is where I actually was born. So I wanted to kind of go back there, uh, reached out to Grambling, uh, got a hold of the coach, kind of sent her some tape, things like that. And she was interested. And so I went on to Grambling to play. And so Division One school is a historically black college in Louisiana. It's called Grambling State University. So we were, I was there. And that's probably a little bit of like my playing experience. Then I would say I transitioned into coaching literally right after I finished my playing career at Grambling. I started to become an, a graduate assistant at that that position as well. From there, then I moved on to New Mexico, where I uh, got involved with the 10U travel ball teams. That was my first experience with uh, travel ball. And then started maybe helping at a high school. Um, I knew the AD at one of the schools. And so they needed a softball coach. Um, and he also was the basketball coach. I was like, well, can I do both? So he allowed me to do both. Um, so I've kind of spent a stint of five years in New Mexico, coaching middle school basketball, high school basketball, and high school softball, um, as well as I started a couple of travel organizations in New Mexico. <laughs> I've done a lot of this stuff. Um, and then in 2015, I um, saw a post on social media from a guy by the name of Matt Lyle, and uh, he had just taken over a position at a school called Midlow College and small NAI school. And I didn't even know it was from when I, I grew up in the Bay Area, but didn't even know that school existed, um, but realized that it was about 45 minutes from my house with traffic, so not too bad. Um, so I reached out and I was like, hey, like, I, you know, I don't know if you're still looking, but I would love to maybe get uh, move up in the ranks and maybe become a college coach. And so then we uh, we talked a little bit. He's like, well, no, send me somebody, you know, like, let me connect to them and get a reference from you. And I was like, I don't think we know the same people, but yeah. randomly enough, this world is small. And I didn't know someone who knew him and it kind of worked out. And so I got that position. I moved back home with my mom um, to uh, pursue my, my dreams of playing, of coaching college. And so I worked with him the first year. We had a really good year. Um, and then he decided to walk away. And usually as an assistant coach uh, or a volunteer assistant at that, usually when the head coach leaves, you know, you're kind of like either you try to latch onto the new coach or you find a new path. And so I tried to apply for that position, but didn't get it. But, you know, then I got uh, the head coaching job at a, at a D2 school in the Bay Area. So I did that for two years, went back to Menlo College 
become the associate director of admissions. So I spent some time thinking that like I had to grow up because I was getting ready to get married and had to have a real job, as they say, and make real money. Uh, so I transitioned back to Menlo, wasn't in admissions for a little bit, but the itch of softball definitely came and uh, the coach there was willing to let me kind of come out when I could. Uh, so I continued to just help with Menlo. Um, and then in 2020, my wife and I moved up to Seattle, Washington. That's uh, where she's from. And so we moved up here. I had a little stint at the community college here. We didn't play any games and then um, randomly got connected to UW. Um, we'll talk about that probably a little bit later, but uh, got connected to the University of Washington. And so here I am today. Yes. I See, that's a beautiful story. Like <laughs> it may have been long, but it's your story. Like you, I, you didn't skip anything, you know, that's uh -oh. the beautiful part of it. And, and you have been so busy, like, geez, you are, you've been around athletes at 10 yes. and now you get the girls that are playing at the highest level, like the highest level. And then mm -hmm. they're getting ready for the world, real world too soon. So it's just, that's an amazing thing. So because you've seen so many different athletes at different ages i have like a favorite like of of the of the ages and i think around 10 is when like they start seeing things a little bit clearer and bigger and their dreams are huge and i know you're big on goal setting and you know owning your power and things like that do you feel like the youth athlete is kind of i don't want to say your jam but like do you find a lot of joy in watching them do their thing absolutely i'd say my my sweet spot is probably eighth and ninth grade mm -hmm. i think it's um I definitely think there's some ability to work with a younger group. Um, I think they probably need it sometimes um, just because of like the peer pressure and self-esteem starts to kind of kick in around that age where you're, and I can experience this because I actually taught uh, middle school for a little bit. And so in my teaching, I, I taught at a middle school and it's interesting to see the transition from sixth grade to seventh grade. Uh, when, the, when the students first come in from fifth to sixth, they seem to still be kind of like, just innocent, a little bit innocent, mm -hmm. a little bit um, naive, a little bit. And, you know, but for some reason, as soon as they go from six to seven, they get kind of exposed to like, this is what I should be doing because this is what everybody else is doing. The peer pressure, the bullying kind of comes out a little bit more. Um, so I think there needs to be some guidance there. But I found that probably when it comes to sports, uh, that eighth or ninth grade is when some of them are starting to get really serious about, you know, wanting to be recruited. And that's where I find that their identity starts to get really shaky and their goals mm. then it gets really shaky around performance. Uh, so I would say those are, that's probably the age that's probably my sweet spot. Yeah, that's awesome. So what are some things that you do share with them when they are stressing out about those things? Yeah. So a couple of things. Um, number one, I spend a lot of time on recognizing your value, your worth and your purpose. Um, and so purpose, of course, it, it's ever growing. And, you know, at a young age, sometimes it's really hard to understand, but we try to just talk about like the what's and the why's of why you want to do something or what you why, what you want to do it for. And so that kind of helps them figure out more of like, oh, well, I actually like playing sports because I like the team aspect or I like to, and what does team give you? It gives you more support because maybe at home I didn't have that support. So like we started to figure out those things and honestly, those things calculate into values and into purpose. So like we find a way to like talk to them more low level, lower level um, in a way that it kind of helps them or deeper level in a way that helps them. And then I would also say, um, I don't know much I thought, but I would also <laughs> say that another thing that we work with is the idea of, yeah, like um, I'm bigger than just the sport. So recognize that athletes, athletics is what I do. It's not who I am. Um, mm. So really get in and understand that. And so I think those are two things that are really important. And I'm sure you asked the question and I'll come back to this in a way that's going to be a better answer. <laughs> no, I I love that answer. And it's true. And, I, and I'm excited because later I want to talk to you about um, what owning her power means, what owning your power means. And I know purpose is one of those things that yep. that you value a lot. So I think that's that's huge. Whether you're a parent, a coach, or an athlete listening, you are not. You are way more than just your sport. And I think you're right at that age, eighth, ninth grade, even high schoolers. Like it's like softball or bust. But like, yeah. hang on, like there's so much more to life than this. And I'm just not realizing it at 29 ish that there's way more. There's way more to do. And of course, maybe because I'm married and have a dog, things have changed. But <laughs> it's it's definitely an, an important aspect that that needs to be talked about. So yeah. I'm guessing these value, worth, and purpose. I, I'm guessing these have come from 
somebody significant in your life that you talked about on your podcast. And I believe his name is Coach Joe Hendren. Yeah. So he was your high school basketball coach? He was. Yeah. Okay. Talk to me about him, his coaching style, and what you loved most about him. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. I feel like um, I, I listened to a podcast the other, the other day. And it talks about this idea of be, do, and have. And so when we're in the stage of growing, like when we don't know how to be or become who we're destined to become, it's really hard for us to do. And we can't do, we can't have. And so I think Coach Hendren was the person who taught me how to be. He taught me how to be the person that I was destined to be. He saw the hidden potential in me. And, and I didn't always think that at first. Um, so it took some time. I would say my freshman year, I um, got selected for JV, and which was fine. I got played on JV. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year, he pulled me up with the varsity team when we went to state. And so then even when he pulled me up for state, like I never played in the game. So like, I kind of didn't understand like or grasp the concept of like, well, why would you pull me up to sit me on the bench? Like, well, I could have just been watching this at home. So you, you mm-hmm. go to these different mindsets and thoughts. Yeah. And, um, you know, he was someone I probably feared a little bit or a lot of it because I'm like, oh, like he's going to make us run. He's going to hold us to expectations. He's going to have high standards for us. Um, he's going to want the best for us, but he's going to push us. And I think like when you're in that age, like sometimes you don't want those things, uh, but in reality, they become great for you. Um, I also noticed that he was really imperfect, um, but perfectly available to be used by God, I always say. And so that's kind of my saying is that I'm, I am imperfectly, perfectly available to be used by God. And so it's... Um, this idea of like, you know, he would yell, he would throw clipboards, he would kick chairs. Um, he was actually a really aggressive person in a lot of ways, but also very soft hearted when we needed him. And so like we would go to his house, we'd have dinners, his, we would be introduced to his wife and to his kids and to his grandkids. And so, you know, I don't I, I don't remember the exact moment where like it shifted, except for when like I went to talk to him about going to play at the next level. And I was a junior in high school and I was like, Coach like, what do I need to do to play in college? And I'll tell you guys a backstory about this is that I almost think it was like what the world said I was supposed to do next. I wasn't even 100% sure that I really wanted to do it. Um, mm-hmm. I think I was looking for like validation and I was looking for like value. I was looking for worth. And so I think a lot of us, especially as young athletes, we follow this path because we think this is what we're supposed to do. As you start to grow and learn, I hope that that's something that like you realize, like I want to do this because I want to do it, not because it's what I think I'm supposed to do or because my parents are putting all this money into it. So anyway, we went to talk and, and he said to me a couple of things. He said, you know, Ashley, I think you're a really good athlete. You know, you do really well for us. You know, you get triple doubles every every game. Like you, you are one of our key players. You're a great inspiration to the team. But I don't know if you going to play college basketball is the right fit based on your height, your weight, and not your weight, but based on your height, your stature, and and maybe where you want to go. He said, but we can work on it if you want. I'll give you these tools that are going to help you. You got to become a better ball handler and a better a better shooter. So he would help me work on all those things all the time. But he also said to me is that I, I actually think you see the game differently. I was like, I see how you, even when you steal the ball, like you're able to like pre-assume what's going to happen in a way where like you are like better because you can think ahead and like you know how to see the game at a different level and so I actually think you're destined for more and and so he kind of put the bug in my ear that maybe I should start coaching because maybe I have a, a, a niche for seeing ahead and putting together plans and like helping other people be great and so he kind of put that in me and I would say that's someone that like I would never I would never forget because he definitely saw the hidden potential that was in me. Wow that's so cool because I think the reason why I got into coaching was for like a coach like that, you know, yeah. I'm not going to drop names other than the fact that my dad was a huge influence on me. Cause he coached me a lot, but isn't it crazy how like you start the fire of like wanting to do something maybe without you even knowing that you yeah. want it. Like I knew that I wanted to be a coach when I was in college and I was doing all of the camps for young kids. So like I was the player that these young little girls wanted to be, they wanted to play at Purdue. They wanted to be just like me. And there was a part of that that was so inspiring. And I was just like, why do I love camps? And nobody else on my team loves them. Like, is what is wrong with me? You know? But then I look back on it now and I'm like, because I had a dad who was just absolutely incredible and he was not easy on me whatsoever, but he pushed me out of my comfort zone. He had a lot of the qualities that coach Hendren had for you in my life. And you know, when I had the opportunity to give lessons after college, it was like, I get to like 
kind of do the stuff that dad used to do with me with other girls who are aspiring to be better versions of themselves. So, wow, that is so, that is so inspiring. And wow. And for him to be so honest with you as well, I think that's a huge quality that especially coaches that want to be liked, they might not want to actually share that honest opinion of like, Hey, if you want to play in college, you need to get better at these things and I will help you do those things. But I think so many, and even me, I'm victim of it too. Sometimes I don't want to say the hard thing because I don't want to hurt their feelings, but you know, being told that hard truth, how did you take that originally? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I like truth. I actually like truth and I like feedback. I like productive feedback. And then I like uh, steps to help me get there for some reason, like throughout my life, that's always been my thing. And in fact, it actually more more so frustrates me when I don't get the truth, when I know that people aren't being real or 100% with me, because when mm-hmm. they don't do that, then I start to feel uncomfortable and like insecure and like myself. So people just straight forward, like straight shoot me, like it usually works better. So for mm-hmm. me, like it was like, okay, like, thank you. I know where my shortfalls are. Thank you. I know how to work through these shortfalls. Thank you. I know that there might be obstacles or barriers that are in the way, but thank you that I know that if I put in the work and I do the things I need to do, I potentially have a chance to to make it happen. So for me, like I love those things. And I think that's something that a lot of athletes steer away from. But if I can encourage our athletes or anything, I think I posted today about failure is that like you have to like go through the failure or the learning processes in order to grow. And if you can do it in those environments where you, you feel the most comfortable, it's actually better. Cause then, you know, like I keep, keep, keep pushing forward because I know I'm in this environment that I can grow in. And so like, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing to see and feel. So I try to teach that to our athletes as well. Yeah. Like teaching that when they're uncomfortable, you're supposed to be here. Like you're supposed yes. to be here. That's so awesome. So I know you're big on comparison. So I, this is something that I've never talked about on the podcast before. And I heard you talk about on yours about how comparison could actually be helpful. Yeah. And I really enjoyed your answer on this. I would love for you to share your insight on that statement. Yeah. Um, thanks for that. I'm, I'm surprised you listened to podcast, but, uh, of course I do. I'm not surprised, but I'm, I'm happy. Thank you for listening. But, um, yeah, so I'll tell you where it came from. It came from, I do a mindset course with teams and um, I was certified through two different people. One, Brian Kane and another guy, his name is Colin Henderson. Mm. And Colin talks about these ideas of automatic negative thoughts and how they, they leave us in performance jail. And so the acronym is COPS. So we said that these COPS put us in performance jail. And so the number one COP is, so C-O-P-P is the acronym. And uh, the number one thing is comparison. And so when we compare ourselves to other people, we steal the joy that's within us or the joy that's in the experience. And so we want not to compare. But as mm-hmm. I started thinking about it more, so I was teaching that for a long time and I still teach it a little bit, but then I go and I go, a little deeper into this idea of comparison. And and so comparison can be not necessarily always a negative thing if you know how to use it in the right way. And so comparison usually happens because we see something in someone else that influenced or inspired us. And so sometimes that's where where our influence comes from. It's like, we see the people who are on TV, like people are watching our Utah players. And I was telling the girls the other day, like, this is a small piece of a bigger picture. And if we can just be in the little thing and recognize this as a small piece of a bigger picture, you know, this is how we continue to grow and get past like the moments of hardship that we're having right now. And a bigger picture would be after the game, you still have a line of people wanting to get your autograph. Like they still want to know who you are. They still want to know Mm -hmm. about you. So you are literally inspiring these kids, these athletes to be you. They are comparing themselves to you. So that Mm -hmm. in in itself is like one thing that you have to recognize. That's awesome. That's where you gain that influence. So nothing wrong with that. What we need to know, though, in that is that like we are not the same people. We all have different journeys and paths. We have different routes. And sometimes that might not be the space that you need to be in, but it is a space that like you can thrive and aspire to become a part of. So the comparison piece that like if you can compare yourself to other people it's awesome because it drives that motivation and influence at the beginning but recognize that you're different the second thing is comparing yourself to where you are right now so being able to self-check with yourself like okay am i doing the things i need to do am i following a plan that i need to follow am i aspiring to do the things that are right in this path for me 
so comparing yourself to where you are right now is really important. Uh, but then also you want to compare yourself to where your future self is going to be. So also recognizing like, hey, I want to get there. What does that look like? What does that, what does that take for me to get there? So honestly, just self-checking and all those. So all those to me are comparison moments. Um, and I think I had another one, which was comparing yourself to the past. Um, so we only look in the rearview mirror only to see where we, how far we've come, but to recognize mm-hmm. like where I was, was, was where I was, but I'm, look how I'm progressing. So it's an opportunity to, to tell yourself, to give yourself kind of a pat on the butt, a back and say like, Hey, you've done it. You're getting further. So keep going. Like I'm getting further. So keep going. So I would say for me in those ways, comparison can actually be a really good thing. Oh, I love your definition. That's so, that's so good. And sometimes when I need a little boost of confidence, I have to look back at my future self and be like, yeah, my first podcast episode looks a lot different than today's. So, and and beyond that, of course, but what I also love about this too, is I've shared this, I think maybe once or twice on the podcast, but I found myself actually doing that comparison of someone else for my own benefit. And there was an athlete who she went to my rival grade school, always played against her in softball and basketball, all the things. And then we actually played high school ball together. We won a state championship together. And it was actually her freshman year. She committed to play college softball, like D1 college softball. And at the time I was playing basketball, just like you and softball. And I loved both sports the same. Like at that time, I was like, I love both. I probably loved my softball team at that time more, but then I saw her literally committing. And this is before like you could commit like your freshman year, you can't do that anymore, yes. but she committed. And I was like, is she better than me? Yes. Mm-hmm. At a lot of things. Yeah. But is she that much better than me? And then I was, I did a self-reflection. I was like, no, she's not that mm-hmm. much better than me. So literally, literally I used her and my dad also did the same thing with her dad. It's like, okay, how did you get here? Like, what are the things that you were doing? What emails were you sending? Um, yep. Who's your hitting coach? Like, so literally that, that was the driving force for me to see myself doing something that I never thought was possible until someone else did it. So then I followed in her footsteps. And then, I mean, the crazy thing is I ended up competing against her. She played at Boston college, but then she came to the big 10. She transferred to Northwestern. So we played against each other in the big 10. We both were drafted to play professional softball against each other. So she actually ended up competing for team Italy in, in uh, the Olympics. So it's just like, it's the coolest thing to be able to compare yourself, but also see yourself in someone else and it be good, you know? So I'm really, I'm really glad that you shared that. I never really thought about it that deeply until you mentioned it. So comparison is not always bad. Always bad as long as you know how to use it. I love it. I love it. Um, I heard you say a quote, that was, it was very simple and it was see her, be her. And you've yeah. mentioned that a little bit already. Can you dive into that quote and what that means to you and the work that you do? Yeah. So it came from in 2019, we had a virtual session with like women coaches. It's an organization called We Coach. And honestly, like I was super inspired by that women coaches from all different fields, like Muffin McGraw was on there and the basketball coach from South Carolina was on there. I can't think of her name right now, but Don Staley. And, She's amazing. Uh, yeah. And so like there were just so many different coaches on there and uh, there was even some women who were in football. And so that was their tagline, see her, be her. And honestly, all the stories that they were telling, like how basically uh, they would say like, we took the stairs, but we're going to send the elevator back down and let someone else come up. So like, it's this constant thing as women that we have to continue to like uh, be the example, but then show them the tools to help them get to be the example, to be the example for the next person. So mm-hmm. seeing her being her is just saying that like, if I can see someone owning their power, basically we're getting to that, but owning her power, owning who they are, like owning their strengths in this world. Um, if I can see someone else doing that and, and maybe even being bold, like on your back of your, your wall back there, then I mm-hmm. maybe can feel more comfortable doing those same things. So every time that I like walk out of this this house i try to be my, my most authentic self but i try to be this person that like someone wants to become or see 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 themselves uh in me you know and so i think it's pretty cool and honestly a sidebar to your question when i first started at UW, you know we started the season and i was just in the dugout and and you know lately like coach Tars just for some reason allowed me to coach first base and i'm not exactly sure why but <laughs> like <laughs> i think i know why but i'm not 100 sure why but it's amazing to just see like all the people who like will say oh my god i saw you on tv like 
I saw you at first base and, you know, see her, be her and like all these things because they are seeing that like people that look like me and look, look like them are in these spaces and are representing for this population of people that like you don't always see. Uh, so I think it's pretty cool like to, to be able to see. So anytime that I can be the person that they want to become or at least be an example of what they want to become, I think it's really cool. So, and I say the same for people with me as well, you know, listening to you and listening to a couple of other people that I follow, like, you know, even you might be younger than me, but like what you're doing is amazing. Like your TikToks are awesome. And so it's like, man, how do I learn how to do that? Like, I want to see her be too. So like, you know, it's full circle. You don't have to be older or younger. Like you don't have to be black or white, but like, it's, it's this idea of like, we all have something that we can bring to this world. We all have something that like we can give back. And uh, if we can do that and someone wants to aspire to be that, like that's the greatest compliment that you can ever have. Wow. That is so powerful. And I'm here for you if you want to figure out TikTok. I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm just taking baby steps, you know? <laughs> and I will say, and I will say that is usually the case with a lot of situations. And it goes back to that comparison thing. Sometimes when we see people, if we use comparison in a negative way, like we're we're fighting to see, we, we're fighting for the the result that we see, but we don't fight for the struggle that we, that we didn't see, you know, like sure. we don't recognize the, all of the hardship that actually came with that. Like all of the mm-hmm. literally like overnight, like long hours and, and like frustrating moments and, Oh, I got to redo this reel because I didn't put the right saying here, or right saying mm-hmm. there, I have to go back and start over. Like we don't see that. And so sometimes if we're comparing ourselves to the end product of a person, like like that's gonna that's gonna hold you back. But if you can compare yourself to like the goals of where you want to get to and what it, the steps it takes to get there, like that's the goal. Yeah. So. Wow. I love this. And I've actually talked about something similar about the see her be her. And I call it, and I don't know if I heard it from somewhere or something, but I just call it kind of like a role model mindset. Yeah. And and I think and I'm pretty sure I read it in a book and I really wish I could reference it right now, but I can't. But that's the thing. It's like and maybe it's because I'm the oldest of three girls. Um, and I knew they were always looking up to me. I am a lot older than my sisters. I'm five and eight years older than them. But okay. I took on that role as like this role model that I, I want to do things right. So that if my sisters are watching, which they always were, they could not just be inspired by, like, I never thought about that, but I just wanted to make sure I did things right so that they can do things the right way too. And, th- and that's one of the biggest compliments me and my, both my, sister and I have, have heard is that I I heard somebody say this the other day about my sister. She plays the game the right way. And honestly, like that was one of my biggest driving forces. I always wanted to play the game the right way. Like when I left early stealing first and the empire called me out, I knew I was early and I just (laughs) walked back to the dugout. You know, I wasn't called that often, but when he called it, I, I ran back to the dugout. I didn't there was one time where I argued a call and I feel bad about that now, like to, to this day. Um, there's actually like footage of me like smacking the base because I really thought I was safe. That's mm-hmm. another story for another day. But I think I think you've definitely adopted the role model mindset as well. And I think yeah. if if people, whether they have younger siblings or not, just realize that there are always eyes watching. And you're, you're coaching on one of the biggest stages. So there are always eyes watching and it's so inspiring to hear this experience for you. This is so cool. I will say, uh, I, I I appreciate your honesty on the the stolen base thing, because (laughs) there's one other thing that's really important and valuable to the conversation. And, uh, it's this human aspect. And so I, I try to speak on the idea of like, when I work with clients, I try to start there, like at the heart of you, like you are a human, you are, you are a human being who is imperfect. Like you can never be completely always correct or always right or always perfect. So recognizing that like you will have these pitfalls, you will have these moments of of frustration, of vulnerability. It's okay. Like, you know, and, and, and it's a part of, it's a part of who you are, but then recognizing like, again, like you said, like just doing things the right way, like with the right intentions, I think is always, is always beneficial to the world. So, so yeah, I just think that's, that's awesome. And, and the role model thing that you're talking about, it's interesting because I think there's like a, to me, like, I don't, I don't necessarily want to be a role model. <laughs> um, in fact, like, Someone, I was on another podcast and they kind of said, like, I think you just see greatness in other people. And so, mm-hmm. like, 
for me, it's interesting. Like, I don't want to be the role model. I want you to be yourself and your greatness. Mm -hmm. And so I want to help our athletes find that potential in themselves so they can own their own power and their own greatness. And so like my uh, business is called Lead Hership Athletics. And so you'll always see me uh, most times with a her on my hat or a her on my screensaver or a her on my phone or have a her tattooed on my arm. Like, but what it is, it's, it's leading, it's teaching our athletes how to be themselves and leading their own journey. So when I'm out there, like, it's not about me, it's about her. It's about you being her and like you owning who you and her is. And so once you can learn how to lead your own journey, the rest of this world will be your, your, your oyster, right? You can do the things that you, anything you want to do, but you have to first start with like owning you and who you are and your power and your strengths. And so it's about you. What is your greatness? What are your strengths? What are your uniquenesses? What is your value? What can you bring to the table that makes this a better team, a better organization, a better environment for the next person as well? But it's about you. I and mean, so for me, I don't want to be the role model. I want to be the one that unlocks the potential in you. That's beautifully said. I love that. And imagine if we had teams filled with girls who didn't let distractions take over, didn't let comparison change who they are. They just owned themselves and what makes them special in this world. So, wow. Well, it's funny because you said you're not a role model, but like in a lot of ways, you're one to me. So I know you don't want to be one, but you know, just, just take it, I guess. Okay. All right. (laughs) I know. I, I, uh, it's true. That's a hard thing for me to do. That's, uh, that's uh, something that like is something I'm always working on. Like, you know, like what is one of my values in this world? It may be to be a role model. <laughs> and I need that maybe I need to own that a little bit more because it's true. Like there are people that reach out to me and I like, if you reach out to me on social media or anything like, and you have questions or anything, like I'm willing to answer them. I got, I got on a zoom last week with the player and like, just because like I just do that but it's because like I see that they're they're putting forth the effort and like they want to become the best versions of themselves and if sure if I can tell you one thing or two things sure <laughs> so it's 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 awesome I love that you do that I do the same thing all the time and it's yeah. funny because it always happens. I don't know if this is the same for you, but it always happens to me when I least expect it like when yes. I'm maybe having a hard day is when I'll get that dm and I'm just like okay it's going to be all right, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. But it, I feel like the timing, it's always like that. It is. It is. That's crazy. <laughs> so one thing that I told you to dive into, and I want to do this before we dive into our final five to thrive, but, you know, a part of owning who you are is allowing yourself to rest. And yes. without rest, we cannot sustain anything. So we were talking about off days and the power of them. So what's like, what should we do on off days? Why are they important? What's what's your take on it? Uh, off days are really important. We have to hit a reset button. And it's interesting when we're in competition in the mindset where we have like, we have this idea of reset plans. And usually they're like in a, mo- in a moment to try to get back to the present moment. Uh, so maybe I swung at a bad pitch or I didn't throw the strike that I needed to throw or I made an error, I missed the basket, whatever it is. We try to get our athletes, they'll either focus either on like the things they did that were wrong uh, and they'll stay there in that moment uh, while the game is continuing to progress forward. And so we try to teach them to get back to the present moment. So my advice would be like, just how we do in a game for those instances, it's just as important that we create a reset for ourselves in the grand scheme of things. And so like taking off days, taking off seasons, taking off weeks or months, it's important sometimes and, and really important all the time. You can't pour from a half empty cup, right? You can't give your best when you only have half of your best to give. So I would suggest in those off days, like, you know, maybe getting an extra rest, taking a a walk, spending some time journaling, maybe just going to the park and just like being, like being present and just being for the moment is nice. Take yourself to dinner, like go to a movie. You know, I think those are all things that can be really good for you and spend time with a loved one, not at a batting cage or not at a court. Uh, Maybe you're just going on a walk together, going to dinner together. Maybe you're doing some sort of arts and crafts. I do a behavioral assessment training. And so we talk about personality. So different people need different things. So uh, if you are more uh, on the artistic side or the social side, you might still need some 
social interaction, but you might need it in a way that's different than what you currently, like again, picking up a ball or picking up a bat. So finding a different way to do that, you might need to be a little bit more on the artistic side if you're creating an arts and crafts or baking or something like that. So dedicating some time to that. Uh, you might be like me, who's like a, 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 do, a doer and a task person, where maybe it's like, I just need to go sit by the beach, by the water, and maybe I'm just journaling and just kind of letting my thoughts get out of my head. And it's giving me a moment to just like let it out, but like not do anything about it, but just have it like in a space where I can come back to it tomorrow or the next yeah. week or the month after my after my time off. So there's different things that you can do, but it's super valuable and super important. Again, you can't pour from an empty cup and you can't give all you have. All you have is half of what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really important. That's so good. I'm going to have to have you back on and talk about journaling more because okay. I think the audience knows how much I how much I love it. I was going to say, I saw your stuff on journaling. It's awesome. I'm obsessed. And there's a reason why I've partnered with a journaling company because I yes. think the power of getting your thoughts down on paper is huge. But we won't dive into that because I want to be conscious <laughs> of your time. Um, so I, I do want you to briefly talk about own her power. Like what does own her power mean? I know you, you have an acronym power and leaning into all of those. I'd love for you to just quickly dive into that because I love, I love that this is like the soul and the heart and soul of your company. It's awesome. It is. It is. I am super passionate about it. And so I have a business coach and when I was putting together like everything I wanted to do for my website. And we were talking through my own personal barriers and my own personal, like what is my mission and my values and things like that. And and um, somehow we stumbled on this word power. And for some reason, and maybe it's because of my CD side where I'm a doer and a doer the right way type of person. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also in the fact that like, based on my personality, like I, I always, I feel like there are things in this world that are just wrong and hard to deal with. And, and I'm also the person that I also like, well, how do I help make the world a better place? And so power became this really just every time it came up, it just gave me like this, like adrenaline rush, like this, like, like consciousness, like this, just like adrenaline to just keep pushing myself forward, like power, power, power. And so as I, Uh, created my mission statement, uh, it became this idea of unlocking the hidden potential in female athletes so that they not over overcome barriers, but own their power in the world. And so as I talk through owning their power, I'm also a motivational speaker. So I started to use power as an acronym of something that I could use in my speech. And so power stands for purpose, purpose. Oh my gosh, to be outstanding, uh, to be a wow factor, know that you have a wow factor, to live in your excellence and to be resilient. And so again, in order to be, in order to do, you have to know how to be. In order to have, you have to know how to do. So being is really important. So the purpose piece is like, who am I? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are my needs? We start with purpose. Then when we get to purpose, we then know that like, I wasn't created in this world to be like everybody else. I was created in this world to be outstanding, to stand out in a crowd, not to fit into a crowd. So to be outstanding is to be you, to be the best version of you, to be bold in who you are. That's to be outstanding, okay? The wow factor is more internal. It's more something where it's like, I have to believe it in myself now, not necessarily just what other people see, but I have to believe in me. I have to believe that like there are things inside of me that's different, that's that's unique. And once I own that wow factor in myself, then I can own my purpose and be outstanding. Mm. Uh, and then once I'm able to do that, I can walk and live in excellence. Uh, when I can walk and live in excellence, that's when I know that like nothing can hold me back basically. And then that's how I get to resilience. And so resilience to say that there are going to be hard times being self-aware that I do have these negative thoughts sometimes that I'm not always present that I don't always shoot score the basket or I don't always you know hit the home runs I don't always steal the bases but if I continue to strive for it and be resilient in it I can get to where I want to get to but that also goes into this idea of uh, processes versus outcomes so that's another situation where we talk about later but defining what success actually means to me is really important so as I work with people, as I work with athletes, uh, we talk a lot about defining success and success also renders itself to more about routine focus than it is about outcome focus. Uh, so that's a whole other podcast for a whole other day, but that's the gist <laughs> of owning your power. So when you know that you have purpose, when you know that you're meant to be outstanding, when you know that you have a wow factor, that you can live in excellence and that you can fight through anything and be resilient, that's when you know how to own your own power. Oof. 
I think we just needed a second to process all of that goodness. Wow. That is so awesome. And honestly, you, you answered one of my five to thrive questions that I have for you coming up. I'll have to think on the fly to how to change it. <laughs> um, but that's, that's what this is for. I love it. Yep. So I'm sure people listening are just absolutely in love with you and your story and your work. Where can people find you and your podcast and your business? Yeah. So social media, Instagram is coach underscore Ashley Carter. Facebook is coach Ashley Carter. So is Twitter or coach a Carter Twitter. My business is called lead hership athletics. So www.leadhershipathletics.com. And my podcast, I would love for people to listen to the podcast. I usually have a mix of interviews just like this, um, as well as every other week I do a power play episode where I try to teach a little something in maybe a 10 to 15 minute slot. But you can find me on Apple uh, Podcasts, Spotify as well, called Own Her Power with Coach Carter. Awesome. And I'll make sure to tag all of all of those links into the show notes so you can tap on that to awesome. follow Coach Carter. I am loving this conversation. I don't want it to end, but <laughs> it has to, sadly. All right. You ready for Five to Thrive? Yes. Okay. First question. I need to know your favorite sports movie. Ooh, uh, Coach Carter. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I'm obsessed. That's amazing. <laughs> okay. So here's the question that I need to shift. Is confidence a skill? It is a skill that you learn, but it's, it's an innate trait that you already have. Mm. Say that again. It is a skill that you learn, but it's an innate trait that you already have. Mm. I love that. I love that. And I love helping athletes find that. I know you find joy in that too. Yes. Mm. That's such an awesome definition. What's your favorite practice to help athletes boost their confidence? Honestly, I think doing the disc assessment first with our athletes is really important because learning mm. a little bit about who they are, what their influence, like what influences them to be who they are and what experiences influence them to be who they are. It also produces like just a, a hand-me-down of like some strengths that you already have. I think it's really important to have that they already know like, oh, based on who I am, based on my personality, I already have these strengths. Like that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I like that. I like that too. Cause I remember the first, I've taken the disc like seven times and I'm an I every time. I just want to throw oh my that God. out there. I, I thought I could try to change it, you know, like get a little <laughs> bit more of something else, but I did like knowing that I, that's like a whole nother, you're not supposed to be like everybody else. Like this yes. is you, you know, yep. and there's some people that have similar traits, but yes. like, it's still kind of owning the fact that I'm bubbly, owning the fact that I yes. love making people smile. Like I think yeah. I used to try to hide that. And so learning the disc definitely helped me with confidence too. So I love that answer. Yeah. Okay. And it's so true. Actually, we I did a session with the UW players and one of the things that came up is usually the eyes feel like they are too much. So they suppress mm -hmm. it. And then the people who are like on the lower in the C's and the S are like, they think that they're not enough. So they try hard to be something that they're not. So wow. it's, a, it's okay to own the fact that like you are those things. And in fact, you probably in school, not maybe you, but some of the people who are eyes are maybe the, the class clowns or the, the ones who just like to talk to their friend are just having conversations and they always get in trouble because they're having conversations, but it's legitimately what fills their cup. It's who they are. And so we learn how to like, mold it in a way that's going to help them, you know, on the right path. That's all good. You know? So I think mm -hmm. it's okay to be those things. And so if you are that person, continue to be your unique, funny self. We need you in this world. Yeah. I held that back in high school. And then I had a yeah. mentor in college who helped me literally get outside my shell. I'd go to study hall and talk to people way more than anybody else would <laughs> like, but it's so funny because you're describing me. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's in college where I discovered my true self. So all the flaws and all, I love myself. Okay, here we go. I don't know why I just said that. Um, <laughs> but I want to know the greatest lesson that Coach Hendren taught you. Uh, not being there yet is not is not a final answer. It is just the moment, the answer right now, but that you can continue to push for where you want to be if that's what you want to be. Like, So basically the whole idea of like, you're not there yet, but like if you want to be there, you you have the potential to be there. So be so wow. keep working on it. Mm, I love that. Okay. Before I ask the final question, I first need to thank you for being such an incredible light. I am yeah. so happy to have finally met you and uh, I've had you on. You're definitely going to be a recurring guest. So listeners awesome. buckle up. We're going to dive deep into this stuff. 
but just keep Can doing I say what you're one doing. One more thing before you uh, finish. Sure. Also, I want to say thank you for reaching out to me as well. You know, I love to be able to have these conversations and to meet like-minded people. We need people like us in this world, and our athletes need you. They need to see you, and they need to be you. So, I love that. What I was going to say also is that I think sometimes, um, and this is completely off of anything you're talking about. Maybe I don't know what your your last question <laughs> is, but I want to like say this to to the world, and it, it, it's this thing of like. We all have this this value. We all have these uniquenesses about us. Sometimes we are chasing after situations or dreams. We're chasing after things and dreams and trying to show our talents to people who aren't meant to see them. And so sometimes when we're like in this recruiting process, we might be searching for a school based on a name or based on how big it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes you go to these camps and clinics and I always get questions like, well, how can I do better? How can I stand out? And I will tell you that like, you don't need to stand out for being who you are. The right people will see the right talents in you. Sometimes you're trying to show them to the wrong people. And no matter how much you try to show them to the wrong people, they will not see it. So learning to find who you are first is really important to this process. Um, So knowing who I am and what my strengths are, how I can add that to a team will help you find the right fit for you. And they will value you in that so much more than you trying to show to someone else that will never see the value in it. So I just wanted to say Mm. that it felt like it needed to be said. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. that. For with Coach Hendren, I think that was important. It's like, hey, you can continue to show your 5'9 post player talent to these big schools, but like they're never going to see that potential in you because it's not the right fit for you. But yeah. you can you can completely like make this shift and the people who need to see it will love it and enjoy it 100%. And you will thrive in that environment more so than you would try to thrive in an environment that's not for you. Wow. You have just inspired the title for this podcast interview, and I'm going to call it Find Who You Are First. You just gave me goosebumps. Okay, this is so fun. All right. Now I'm going to ask you the final question, which does have a lot to do with what you just mentioned. But I need to know, Ashley, what legacy do you want to leave on this game? That this is one, uh, this is one small piece of a bigger picture um, that your greatness is not defined by this one moment. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. Um, Again, don't want this interview to end, but I'm so happy you could join me. It's your birthday tomorrow. Happy early birthday to you. Um, Those of you who are listening are so inspired by Ashley like me, go ahead and follow her. You can check out the show notes. And also, I believe just like me, you can find your interviews on YouTube, correct? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. So if people want to see us laughing and nodding our heads like this and just (laughs) getting so into this conversation, you can also watch this on YouTube. Okay. Yes. I love it. Awesome. And thanks for sharing those final thoughts. Wow. That was so powerful. Thanks for coming on, Ash. Thank you so much, Ash. I'll talk to you later. Wow. Didn't you just love when Ashley talked about her former basketball coach and how he inspired her to become a coach? I am so inspired by Ashley. And if you are too, I'm going to have all the links to where you can follow her, see what she's up to, maybe book her for a motivational speaking gig. I would if I lived out there. I also love how she dove into knowing who you are first. Sometimes I think becoming as great of a softball player as possible is on a lot of people's minds right now. But knowing your why, knowing your purpose, knowing who you are is way more important than your success on the field. So if you love this episode, please feel free to share this with your friends, family, and the game. Maybe just one share can really help elevate somebody that you know to become the best versions of themselves in this game, which is what Ashley and I are trying to do through our own podcasts and our own work. So thank you so much for tuning in this week. Don't forget to stay humble, stay awkward, keep smiling, and keep going after those big goals of yours. They're right around the corner for you. See you next week. Oh,